Welcome to Business Mentorship Keeping It Real, where we feature entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders who participate in our guest blog found on shareyourstories.online. Our guest is Margaret Borsma, who is a teacher trainer, an artist, a speaker, and a consultant. And we're going to discuss how Margaret is helping both teachers and students find creativity in education. And Margaret joins us from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome. Thank you. So good to be here. Well, you know, one of the things that we do is we ask folks to send in questions if they won't have an opportunity to join us. And believe it or not, I did get a question based on our social media post that we had done yesterday. And the question is, how do you teach someone creativity in education? Oh, I love that question. How do I teach somebody creativity in education? I think it's very important to be creative and to be trained and, and uh, flex that creative muscle. We all have it, but some of us haven't developed it as much as we could to have a thriving life, actually. So the way I do it is uh, with children, I often have them enter a story. So they become the characters in the story, but it's all improvised. I don't give them a script or anything. I just say, um, for example, I'll give you an example. Are you interested? Sure, absolutely. So I do this for all ages and adults love it too. But this particular example is for kindergartens. And I took the, the Three Billy Goats Gruff, the fairy tale, and created a story out of it. And the kids enter the story. So the story is, I called it um, Monster Problems to Solve. And so, I mean, adults can relate to that topic. Oh, too, for right? sure. We all have monster You've got problems me intrigued. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have the kids um, create community and we do fun things like um, I'm an artist in residence once in a while, every year, actually, for um, for my local school board. And so I create these units too for them and the teachers are furiously taking notes and participating. But basically in the monster problems to solve, the kids um, create this imaginary playground and what's on the playground and they give me all their ideas and well, what about food stands and what do you like to eat? Okay, that's in it too, that's in it too. And what are your favorite rides? And so they can, they're using their imagination, imagination and creating, right? What this is all looking like. And then we put it on a big piece of paper and we, or on the board and we draw it. And then the kids get to add their own things to it and so it becomes real for them and kids are really good with their imaginations if you try and make it real coming from where they're coming from that's the creative element and they're flexing their creative muscle and like any story you know there's well i shouldn't go there yet then there's this magical bridge it's the only access to their favorite playground where there's free babysitting they don't have to wait for their parents to come off work all of it and everyone trusts these people. And so um, this magical bridge, however, is really fun. And they can't just walk across it because there's- That would music. be just too boring. <laughs> I know, right? So there's music, I play music like the can-can or any kind of, any kind of genre music. And it right. differs all the time. And they, so they move the way across the bridge, the way the music tells them to. 
So that's cool. magical and creative right there. Yeah. And of course, I'm busy doing it with them because if if I, if you don't get involved, it's got to be fun for everyone. It's got to be fun for everyone, and it's a role model for the kids to be for creative sure. in their movements. Yeah. Well, then the next day they come to school, and this is the problem. Every story has one. There's a monster that lives under the bridge, and he does not let us cross the bridge. Our only access to the playground, what will we do? And so they brainstorm a bunch of ideas, and the first one is usually kill him. And, it, and I'm thinking as an adult, oh, my goodness, we still have all kinds of wars in the world. Why? Because we haven't taught our population how to problem solve through dialogue. Right. And so we have to come up with a win-win solution. So what do we want? We want access to the playground. What does the monster want? Well, we don't know. So how are we going to find out? Right. So they end up deciding to interview the monster. And I come in role as the monster. And I have a different walk and a different Isn't that this. I love it. And so they end up finding out through their questions, they find out that the monster gets a big headache every time somebody pounds on their roof. And then as the monster, I say, do you ever get a headache? So the empathy is developed immediately. Sure. Right. So I'm working on social emotional skills while I do this time of this kind right. of educational drama, which right. is the creative component. Right. So then we, I come out of role and I come back and, you know, what did they, what did the monster say? And they have to tell me in logical order. And these are all expectations in the language arts curriculum that teachers need to cover. Right. And so then, well, what are we going to do? So then they, they have win-win. So I said, the monster wants this. He doesn't want a headache and we need to get to our playground. What are we going to do? So they come up with different ideas and they decide if, you know, if they should wish, if that would work for both parties. So we're negotiating a win-win conversation here. Isn't that great? I love the negotiating skills that you bring into it yeah. because, you know, who doesn't need to be able to problem solve in a win-win environment? And, and they listen to each other. Right. And then they build on that. Well, that's Isn't really that hard great? for five and six-year-olds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I did it with a grade one class once and oh my goodness, they said, um, well, we live on this side of the bridge, not on the playground, but maybe if we ask the monster to live with us in our house, then he'll, then the bridge is free and we can go over. And another kid jumped up right away and said, I'm not letting a monster live in my house. Oh, I said, well, you go over there and you go over there. Now, how many agree with this person? Ah. If you want the monster to live in your house? 20 kids lined up there. If you disagree, come over here. Five kids were over there. It took them 25 minutes of negotiating. I couldn't believe this six-year-old's doing this. Wow. And one at a time, they were convinced through reason. And then they moved over. To go over. Yeah. Isn't that great? So there's a, a way that I teach. That's a wonderful things. example. That's a really wonderful way to tie in the, the learning disciplines. Because, yeah. you know, as adults, it's been a long time since we've been to school for most of us. And if you're a grandparent or a parent... Yeah, we really don't have an idea of what, you know, we think that kids are, you know, playing and coloring and, you know, doing those kinds of things. We don't really have a grasp of what's actually happening behind the doors in the schools, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's a really wonderful way to give us a visual um, using, I love the story concept and I love the way that you, you ask them for participation and they have an opportunity to connect with each other as well as with you. Most teachers can't teach that way. 
Right. But right. Um, they they love being part of the learning. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I can see why adults would love it too, to be quite yes. honest. I mean, yes. because who doesn't want to use their imagination? You know, yeah. I, I was talking to an artist on one of our podcasts and she's, I said to her, you know, remember the time we used to come home from kindergarten and you would put your art up on the fridge? Yes. And it didn't matter what it looked like. Everybody in the house said it looked great. And you were, you know, this wonderful artist. Well, what happens to that? Because, you know, then I, I was just talking to a friend the other day who said, oh, I would never, you know, I would never go to an art workshop. Are you kidding? I can't draw. I can't. And I thought, wow, what happened to that creativity and finger painting and all those things that we do when we're young and in school and we have no inhibition? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I can respond to that if you like. Yes, for sure. They say, and I believe there's stats on this, that by about grade three, mm -hmm. um, the school system has pounded that out of them. That confidence to be creative is pounded out of them because there has been such an emphasis on marks. And when kids are in kindergarten and grade one, they don't care about marks, mm -mm. right? So by true. grade three or four, they do. Right. Because they get that, a report card. Yeah. And right? the report card has marks on it. Right. And it and parents want the marks because, you know, if you just write anecdotal notes on it, the parents feel they don't know where their kid stands. And right. that's important because in that previous generations, we thought marks and, and knowing where your kid is compared to everyone else is really important. Right. And it isn't. Right. You know, you want them to to grow up in their own strengths. Right. Not that you don't want to develop the, the weaker things into more strengths, but as a child, I was uh, not good at uh, typical school stuff. Right. And I felt stupid the rest of my life. And it's only in the, the last, you know, couple of decades that I realized I was living a lie, a lie. Right. And so many of us are living a lie. We're made to feel like we're not creative. Mm -hmm. We're made to feel like we're, we're not able to learn. Because mm -hmm. you don't learn in the typical way of, you know, right. sit, memorize, and regurgitate on a test, for example. Right. right. It's so true. You know, there's so many things I think that have happened over time. You know, we, yeah. I, I always say we get to a different age and stage with every decade in life, right? Things yes. become a little bit different. Our priorities change. Um, the, our social networks change. And the things that we're striving towards change. Yes. But we don't really, I find, um, bring with us the, the skills to help us manage the change. Right. And I, I love how you mentioned empathy, because I think that that's a skill that we can learn. Yeah. And it's also one that we need to nurture, especially now where we're finding there's so many challenges that we experience throughout the day. So, nice. and, and I know that one of the things that you do is um, based on emotional intelligence and you use the skills of emotional intelligence as a way in which to help people excel, or maybe even, yeah. you know, expand on some of those things that they don't do very well. Yes. So in, in terms of the, the dynamics, I mean, as an emotional intelligence coach as well, I mean, I think we're, we, we speak the same language, but for our viewing and listening audience who may not understand what the emotional intelligence dynamics are, mm -hmm. if there was a skill that you think, based on your experience now, um, teaching not only helping teachers teach better, but helping students connect with teachers, yeah. um, is there one of those emotional intelligence skills that you feel we really do need to nurture as adults? Oh, yes. Um, dysregulation. 
for example. You know, we have so many students in our schools now that are um, losing it. Struggling. You know? They're so struggling and yeah. they communicate through their behavior. Mm -hmm. And as educators, we're not taught how to deal with that. A lot of them do have mental health challenges, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I think we can avoid uh, a lot of um, the adult population as well as the, the child population spiral down the mental health channel. If we had, if we raise the bar on adult education for mental health or for emotional intelligence, let me put it that way. I'm not a mental right. health pro professional, right? but there are a lot of people who are just spiraling in and people around them who don't know what to do. And I right. think that's really sad because we can raise that bar. Right. So how do you, how do you regulate your own emotions? How do you teach a child to regulate their emotions? How do you teach empathy? How do you gain empathy? How do you create that? Mm -hmm. How do you learn it? Right. How do you teach responsibility? Mm -hmm. How do you take more responsibility? How do you up your integrity level? Because without integrity, nothing works. Oh, I love that. I love that word because, you know, for, I don't know about you, but for me, it's been a week. And it's been a week of surprises where I had thought I knew a business colleague or a personal friend. I've had more than one example this week. And I've put it down to what the heck has happened to our integrity? Yeah. What the exactly. heck has happened to when you say something, you're going to follow through. Right. Or meaning what we say. Yes. And, and being true to the people that we're making promises to or yeah. we're making commitments to. What on earth has happened to that? So I love your reference to integrity and almost yeah. with integrity, I put credibility. Well, you get credibility when you're trustworthy. Exactly. And if you're not trustworthy, you don't have integrity. That's so that right. word comes back all the time. That's so true. And trust is the basis of every relationship, whether it's business or family. So true. And it, once you lose trust, you can regain it, but it's hard and it takes time. And, you know, when, when, so don't lose trust in the first place and, we always, we always need to restore our integrity. So how do you do that? And I mm -hmm. have developed the make it right formula for that. Excellent. So, so let's give us an example of, um, I'm, I'm in a, a professional environment and I'm the leader of a team and I'm noticing that the dynamics of the team are kind of crumbling a little bit and we need a little help in being able to put some of the pieces of the puzzle back together to regain trust and credibility. Yeah. Is there a little exercise or is there a tip that you could share with our viewing and listening audience who may be in the corporate world, maybe even in their family or their friend dynamic, and they're saying, okay, I, I hear you, I understand what you're saying, but is there some way in which I can help to fix the problem or at least start people on the path to regaining yeah. that trust and integrity? Thanks for the question. First, I would say a lot of people don't realize that they are always balancing um, the, their trustworthiness and they lo lose it quickly mm -hmm. and you can recover from it and not with a quick, I'm sorry. Um, so I, I start with making them aware that they too are struggling with this integrity issue mm -hmm. all the time, no matter what your intentions are, we always struggle with it, especially if we push ourselves mm -hmm. to be the best we can in the world, you know, and a lot of us are, are in professions where we feel pushed or we are pushed. And so we cross the line all the time. So I do this 
walk across the floor exercise. So when I say a statement that rings truth for you, just go to the other side of the room. And so that's when they really get, oh, because they're physicalizing it too, it helps mm -hmm. the learning internalized. Sure. They, um, so things like, um, I'm always on time. I show up for work every day on time. Walk across the room if that's true for you. Well, a lot of people don't <laughs> walk across the room, you know, and they have to really check in with themselves. Or when, um, when I say yes to an appointment with someone or getting together with somebody and something more interesting comes along, I cancel the first appointment. And it's like you can see them thinking, oh, yeah, I've done that. And then out loud, they're not supposed to talk out loud in the sex. Out loud, I hear, well, it depends. It depends. It depends. And I'm thinking in their head. Justifying or justifying. Justifying. Right? Those are the reasons and excuses, right? Yeah, Coming for sure. to their minds. And, yeah. and so they want to let me know about it. No, quiet. And so in the end, they feel almost, a lot of them feel a little bit defeated. It's like, oh, man, you know, I thought I was, but I'm not. And I said, well, listen, none of us are. Right. And this is what you can do about it. I call right. it the make it right formula. Do you want me to tell you about the make it right? Absolutely. Now? You've piqued our interest now. You've mentioned it twice. And I'm like, okay, I'm, my next question was going to be, I think you need to tell us what the make it right. <laughs> okay. So it's four steps and I finally got an acronym for it. W-I-P-E. Wipe. You have to wipe the slate clean to start off. Love over. it. So love it. W is what happened. Don't include the story. It's more like I said this, you did that or said that. Done. Easy peasy. Yeah. It's kind of admitting. Cut and dry. Without the stories, the excuses, and the reasons. Right. The next part is the most important. It's the I. Impl um, what's the implement the implication on somebody else? So uh, how does it... Um, how does it how affect it, someone? Uh, yeah. I, I'm losing the word, but it starts with I. And it's about... Um, anyways, how did it affect you? But yeah. first of all, how did it affect the other person? Right. And that's where you really have to get into their world. And you have to walk across the room. Yeah, it's the impact. That's the I. So how does it impact the other person? Well, it probably impacted you because you were really expecting me to come. And uh, I really let you down by canceling at the last minute. And I know that we're good friends. And I really let you down. And I, I get it. And right. you really have. I think when you're doing this, you really have to get that impact. Like, what's it like from the other person? Right. And you can say two or three things, what it might have been like, and then ask them, is there anything I'm missing? Mm -hmm. And then be ready to say that. Right. And when that's done, you say how it impacted you. You know, after I canceled, I felt really badly because I didn't really have a good reason. It was just something other, right. something else came up or whatever you want to say to that person. Right. And I feel right. horrid about tell how you're feeling in that. That's impact. The next one is P, plan. So what are you going to do differently next time? And tell them, you know, next time I, I'm not going to do that because I can, I can see that that is hurtful everywhere. And I will find a way to make the other one to, you know, change the time or have a conversation, whatever, whatever your plan is, say it and then follow up on it. And then the E is elevate, elevate the other person. You can give them a compliment. You know, you really are my best friend and that's why I feel so horrible or whatever. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be about feelings, it can, but it has to elevate them. So maybe you invite them to a special event that would elevate them. So you sure. have to be creative in how you think about elevating the person. So that's wipe. 
I love it. I love it, Margaret. I love how you've kind of taken uh, what I can only assume is a lifetime of learning. And because we all make mistakes and we all have to pick ourselves and, uh, up and dust ourselves off and move in, in the, a more positive direction. But I love how you've taken something that helps everybody. It's, yeah. it's not just for kids. It's not yeah. just for teachers. It's for you and I. It's for the, it's for the population. And we all want to be good humans. You know, we all want to make positive contributions. So I think you've given us some really wonderful things. And I love wipe. I'm sure everybody's going to be sending you messages about wipe. <laughs> now, one of the things that we do in the guest blog is we ask people to share three words of advice. And I think some people might say yours is wipe. That's four words. But at any rate, um, <laughs> they are integrity, open yes. and optimistic. So yes. why are those three words important to you and what you do? Well, integrity is really important because I believe that without integrity, nothing really works. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work for others. It doesn't work for you. You feel crappy. You feel overwhelmed. You feel you get dysregulated. All those feelings that we don't really want to have and embrace. It's, it's, and life doesn't go the way you want it to mm -hmm. because something's out of whack. It's out right. of line. So in, nothing works without integrity is really, really important uh, to know. And I, I taught you how to restore integrity so you can always be in integrity. And so that's our goal. The second one was open. I think we have to be open to learning. We have to be open to hearing each other's perspectives and be compassionately curious if it differs from ours, especially if it differs from ours. So, you know, I hear you saying something that I don't agree with, but, and then tell, tell yourself, be open. Like, what tell is it more. that makes you say that? Tell me yeah. more, right? Yeah. And I think in our world nowadays, um, it's even more important to be open because there's very um, polarizing opinions about different yeah, things. And I, agree. I think openness is important in order to gain an understanding. Uh, you know, and, and I think that really helps too with formulating your own ideas and solidifying them. If you can learn the different perspectives in a way that is deep, not shallow. Right. And optimistic, I think we need to be positive and optimistic people. Um, that's how you have the best quality of life. And I am optimistic. And I think we all want good quality of life. So if we focus on what's positive in our lives and we have our self-talk circling around that then we will find more things that are positive in our day and if we focus on on what didn't go right or what someone said that hurt us we're going to find a whole lot more of that and how would you rather live right <laughs> oh that's so true that's so true well i really want to thank you for spending some time with us today because you know you've given us a lot of food for thought and i think when we, you know, those folks who originally read your guest blog and before they joined us today, they probably thought this was going to be more centered on telling and teaching. It mm -hmm. certainly was teaching, but it was not just teaching of a certain age group or mm -hmm. a demographic. It was actually teaching all of us how mm -hmm. to, and giving us maybe a skill of how we can use it in, in our day-to-day -day life that makes it a little easier for us to navigate some of the challenges that we face. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. You're welcome. And to you, our viewing and listening audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this edition of Keeping It Real, where we introduced you to the person behind the logo. If you'd like to connect with our guest, you'll find Margaret's contact information in the description portion below. I'm Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series. And if you're interested in sharing your business story, 
visit our website at shareyourstories.online and subscribe to our channel, Business Mentorship Keeping It Real. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to meeting you next time when we share another great idea.